a fine family and thank you Lord for your blessings on me go ahead and let's stand this evening go Lord in prayer continue praying for uh, sister uh, Kay and brother Danny and the family again sister Lisa sister Donna Arnold Courtney's friend's baby, um, Brother Grant and his family, Mariah, Dayton, uh, David, um, Jacob and Kayla, I'll tell you what, I'll get it out there, just to everybody there, Any, anybody else, anyone since this afternoon. We got a whole prayer list. Brother John. Just remember, Brother John. Jerry, will you open us this evening? Twenty-four in your blue book, the rose among the thorns.
page two, or three, I'm sorry, they ain't a two in this one, three.
Brother Don would say, God's not good, he's great, right? And uh, all of the time he's great. Amen. So, special this evening, sis? No? No? Sis, you got one? Do you have one there, sis? Do you have one there?
door of the church and kind of he comes right out the door. I would guarantee you that uh, that brother Philip that was coming back by there every week was praying before he got there on the way there and even after he left there. And you know the thing is he said uh, there God doesn't give up on us but the other thing is is prayers are like radios. They get where you're going faster than you do. And uh, watching uh, police chases here and there and um, I tell you what uh, it's amazing to me I, I've always I've said this multiple times I'm like there's never there's never an officer around never a cop around when you need one but I've watched these police chases and these things they come out of the woodwork I'm just telling you they'll be a mile two ahead of you and you never know that you pass them and uh, so you know uh, Prayers are like that. They're always ahead of us. Um, we can't outrun them. God hears them. And I'm going to talk to us tonight about prayer. If you would, open your Bible. Go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And if you would, stand. We'll read a couple verses of Scripture here. And then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 9 said, So Hannah rose up after that they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat of the post by, the, by a pole on the temple of the Lord. 
And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Father, this evening, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you, dear God, for your blessings. Lord, asking you tonight, help us through thy word. Lord, that we would just uh, say that which you'd have us to say, nothing more and nothing less, and we'll give you glory for it. Father, we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' holy name, and amen. Amen. You may be seated. I thought about this a few weeks back, and I thought it'd be a good Wednesday night study, and it never got to be used on Wednesday night, and then thinking about tonight and the spirit that we've had, I felt like the Lord would have us do this one this evening, uh, earlier today, but anyways, the spirit we've had tonight in service, it seems like it's a befitting title and time to do, but it's called Prayers. Hannah prayed earnestly before God. And, and I would say this, she understood her condition. One of the reasons I think the church has lost the power of prayer is it does not understand its condition. We're looking around, and I will say this, they, they, for me, I'm accustomed, and, I, and that's a bad word to use, but it's a fact, I'm accustomed to praying at certain times. In other words, it's a habit for me to pray at certain times. But to have a real prayer life is to understand the condition that one is in. And then to understand the condition of what the church is in. And then begin to understand, I would say this, the condition of your family and all these things that are out there around about. That you're, you're praying about your food, you're praying about your uh, for me, is praying about the message, is praying for the people that I know that are sick and those that I don't know and some that are lost. But, but you know, we have a time of customary prayer, which is comfortable, and, and it's there. And we get so accustomed to doing this, and, and we just have a commitment in this side of it. But, but there is something that I see today that I think about, and the Lord has just been speaking to my heart about, is the untime of prayer. In other words, it's not the customary time. But it's the necessary time. It's understanding the condition that is going about in your life, in the lives of somebody else, in the church, however it may be, and pouring your heart out before God for that purpose and that reason. Not, not just because it's the time for prayer, but because it's a time required for prayer. Hannah had her heart set on having a child. And, and she desired that. 
her husband, I've talked about this, he, he loved her. He favored her. He gave her more. And it is because she, she was just, she had his eye. He had, she had his heart. But in the same hand, what Hannah needed was more than what he could provide her. She wanted a touch from God that allowed her to have a child, not just any child. At this point, she's, she's praying, and she wants a man-child. She wants what is considered to be a blessing from God. And in considering this blessing, she pours her heart out before God in such a manner, and a vow that she vows, the commitment that she makes, is absolutely vital to this because we have Samuel uh, a great prophet, a great man of God that we have in the Bible. But, but listen to me. It's because a woman understood her condition and then she went before God. And she was not satisfied with a little bit. She poured herself out to God. And in so doing, God heard her prayer. Why? It became real. It became purposeful. It became meaningful. It was more than just the prayer time. It was more than just a season of sacrifice, the time of offering to Hannah. It was, it was like the dire moment of time. If it don't happen, it's not going to happen. I've got to have God to make it happen. And so she did, and even Eli the priest didn't understand what was going on with her. Marked her as drunk, told her to put away her strong drink. Look what she said. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Can you imagine this? Maybe she'd been there for a little while praying. I think about this, and, and I'm going to say this tonight, and, and just, just understand what I'm getting at. She might have been in the altar for a little longer than normal. Maybe stayed there when everybody else was leaving. But do you realize the old saying is true. The longer you linger, the more you accomplish. We used to have a prayer service up in Rogers, and they called it Linger Longer. And every month, on whatever Sunday night it was, I think it was the second Sunday night of the month, um, and we would go visit there when we wasn't preaching, and they would have this service, Linger Longer. Linger Longer to them meant stay around and let's have refreshments after church service. Let's have fun, food, and fellowship, you know? It didn't mean stay longer in the altar. And can I tell you something? If you had the longer lingered night and had somebody got in the altar and lingered longer in the altar, there were some folks who had been upset because the stuff in the kitchen was now either getting cold or had been sitting out too long or whatever it was, and they would lose sight was actually happening, what was taking place. And we do that today in the church a lot of times. We're afraid to linger longer for the fear that somebody's going to get upset that we're actually taking time to spend time in prayer to God, seeking God for what we need. And can I tell you something tonight, church? Do you not think that Sister Kay 
pray, spent a lot of time in prayer knowing how Jason was. I believe she was lingering longer. I know that God has convicted my heart, and I've been lingering longer uh, for Jason and others in your prayer. I wake up in the morning time, and I begin to pray. And sometimes I want to go back to sleep, but, but then I realize God's woke me up for a reason. So I begin to pray, and I pray for folks. And I'm telling you, it does something to your heart when you linger longer with the Lord. She was pouring out her heart to God. And the Bible says that she poured out her soul unto him. Must have took some time to get in that kind of spirit in prayer. Why did Hannah do it? She realized her condition. That was the whole point, church. She had been barren. She knew she's barren. Maybe God will open my, my, my womb next time. Maybe God will open my womb. Now she's got to come to the point of desperation. I don't know how old she was. I don't know what her thought process was. But she come to the point now that she realized and she's seen her condition and she poured it out before God in such a manner that it didn't matter what anybody else thought. She was going to linger a little longer. Maybe that should have been the title, Linger Longer. Go over to Psalms 51. We know this one. David's prayer. David had committed sin. We always talk about the sin of Bathsheba. But can I tell you this? David had a lot more problems than just that one aspect of that. David had lied. David had deceived. David had murdered. David had said, said things wrong. Remember what happened when uh, uh, Achan took the gold and the linen and hid it in his tent. The whole army of Israel was sent before a group of men that shouldn't have never been a problem to them. And, and yet God was not with them any longer because they had sinned and sin was in the camp. Well, David's king. He's not just an ordinary man. He's not just a guy down there who just seen an opportunity to find somebody else's wife because they were out in battle and he thought he'd just kind of move over in here for the David is king. She can't refuse him. David did this. And to hide his sin, he did a whole lot more. You know, David was living with that sin for a long time. And then here comes little Nathan, just a prophet, just a man of God. The end words that we all remember when David and all this is done is David says, that man of pay, and Nathan says, thou art the man. Do you think that this prayer that David wrote took place in the matter of time it takes for you and I to read it? I mean, just think about it. Did it really? Did David just go before God and speak 19 verses of Scripture and just that was the end of the story? Or do you think that David's heart, David's soul, his mind, that it took him a while to pour this prayer out before God because he starts up, have mercy on me. Now, I don't know how many people wanted to go to God and realize their condition and would just say, God, have mercy on me, and be done with it. 
If he's really seeking mercy, he's taking time. This, this might have been the part of the prayer where David, he broke at this point. He, he's, he's praying and he says, God, he says, have, have mercy on me. And then he just breaks and he begins to bawl and maybe to tears. And, and I don't know, the rest of the prayer there might have been real silent. And stuff. But David doesn't just go before God and in a matter of 19 seconds get his prayer over with and get gone. If that would be the case, David could not have wrote the, the, the words that, further down there. And he says this in verse 16. For thou dost not, thou not desire sacrifice. I believe David had sacrificed probably quite a bit. Else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. I believe David had already done those things. The sacrifice of God, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. David took a while getting from verse 1 to verse 17. David got to verse 17 and in all the confession that David was making up here and all the plea that David was making up here and all the recognition that David was making prior to that come down to the point there where David said this. He said, what's already been done is not what you want. What you want is my heart. You want a broken heart. You want a broken spirit. You want somebody who knows their condition to come before you. And God, I'm coming before you the way you've seen me instead of the way I've been seeing me. You know, David was hiding himself behind some things to the point that even David no longer was seeing what needed to be seen. That's why David said, the man will pay. And it cut him when Nathan said, thou art the man. Church, just realize this evening, we're going along in life, and, and we're, we're just kind of moseying through. Things are going the way that they're going, and we're not thinking a whole lot about it. But can I tell you, God is thinking all about it. He's waiting for you and I to get to a point in our lives when we, when we get to this. Think about this. Go, go back up. David begins to declare he, he, the way that he is. He said, God, you've got a right to judge. You judge clearly. But look at what he said. This He said, behold, thou desirest, in verse 6, desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David's wanting God to do a work in his life. Then he says, make me to hear joy and gladness. The bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. In other words, David said, when I was told I'm the man, God, I, there was something happened to me. And now, God, only you can heal what you broke. We no longer get broken before God. Or so rare that it ever happens that people wonder what in the world they done. Boy, they really must have sinned. Their, their, their family must be falling apart. Their church must be falling apart. Their life must be falling apart. They must have really, there must something be bad going on. It is. 
We're going the way of Sodom and Gomorrah and don't even realize it. We're falling away from the Lord and we don't realize it. We're losing our families and we don't realize it. We're losing ourselves a lot of times and we don't realize it. And we're losing our churches and we don't realize it. We're losing God and we don't realize it. And it's not that God has moved. It's just that we're no longer seeking God. We're just riding along. You know, it's getting to be, it was winter one time and we were riding with the heat on. The windows rolled up. And now it's springtime and we're riding with the heat off and the windows cracked. And now it's perfect springtime and we're riding with the windows down and the roof off. And now we're just enjoying life. We're going through there. And, and we don't even realize the goodness of God all around us. We was driving down last night. It was dark. And I was looking outside the road and back in Fayetteville area there, just kind of south of Fayetteville, the trees are starting to bloom with those white blooms. Every year I love those. They're pretty. Every year I hate those because there's my allergies. But you realize that the things that we miss a lot of times is that in the beauty of all this, there's still problems. But sometimes we get caught up with the beauty or the softness that we don't pay attention to the reality. David went on to say this, Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out my, all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. We don't even know that we need a clean heart anymore. He said, Oh God. Now, now look at this church. Look at how this is written. This was not a verse that was written like this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. That's not how David prayed that. I can tell you for a fact because of the words that are written in there. David said, Create in me. He, he was in sincerity with God. Oh God. And renew. Oh, he wanted something, church. He wanted something so bad. The prayer meant something, and we read it oftentimes so fast, and we get down through there, and I know that I've done this. Can you, can you imagine this in the next verse? David says, cast me not away. He's, he's God, don't, don't put me away from thy presence. And take not the Holy Spirit from me. We don't think we can lose that. And David was afraid he was. Remember what I said about backsliding? Just because just you sin doesn't mean you got lost. But you can backslide to a condition where the Bible even talks about that they slide back into a state of apostasy. They've given up everything God. It wasn't that God changed. It wasn't that God moved. It's that they just turned and went the other way. And I'm telling you something, church. You will not take the Holy Ghost to hell. He's not going. That's why men, I heard this brother, and I, and I can't remember his name. I, I thought it was Hoggard, but it's not the brother Mike Hoggard in, in Festus. It's another one. But he was a salesman. He was a very wealthy man. He was on his way. And I remember his testimony. One night at Bentonville, he was preaching for us, and he was testifying to the fact that he had it made, and he was out one night, and he was in a hotel room, and I don't remember what happened there, but he, he, he felt something he had never felt before. He felt absence. And he realized that God 
was withdrawing himself from him because he was running the wrong way. And he laid on his bed and he cried and he cried and he cried to God. He said he cried for hours and he thought there was no hope. It's not, God's not coming back. God's not going to deal with me anymore. He said then God deal with him. And that's when he left what he was doing and started doing what he was supposed to be doing. Brother Don, he quit running from the ministry. Instead ran into the arms of God. David's doing that very thing here. He's got the title of king. He's got the power of king. He's got the authority to do whatever as king. But David is losing one thing that he didn't need to want to lose. He was losing the anointing as king. God had anointed David king. Before David was ever king, he was king. We know the story. The anointing come to David. David was anointed to be king, and yet he waited his time to get there. But now he's there, and David's afraid of losing the anointing. This prayer was to restore that, to restore the things that needed to be done. How do you know, Brother Arnie? Look what he says in the next one. Restore unto me. The joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. What happened, and I've said this many times in preaching this text, what happens next? David says, when all of this is done, when God hides his face from my sins, and God blots out all my iniquities, God creates in me a clean heart, God renews a right spirit within me, God does not cast me out of his presence, but holds me there. He restores me the joy of salvation. He upholds me. Then will I teach transgressions thy way, and sinners shall be converted. Why? Because when David is right where he needs to be, the power of God takes hold. That's what happened with Hannah. The power of God took hold. God opened her womb and blessed her, and we got Samuel. Keep going on just a little bit. Got a couple of places. Matthew chapter 9, just, just reading these verses shortly as we go through there. Verse 27. They was two blind men, right? And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying. Now I want you to think about this. Why did the Bible say crying and saying? And, and something else, why were they following him. It wasn't enough when Jesus come by to just say, hey Jesus we're over here, we're blind. Can I tell you, he wants perseverance. He wants us, the Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek means to keep after. And they followed Jesus and they cried, saying Lord, now look at this, cry saying Thou son of David, we know who you are. Have mercy on us. We read the verses a lot of times with just simplicity. Thou son of David, have mercy. No, no, they were crying and saying, 
just like I was talking about this morning, all manner of conversation. Their, their, their words were exemplified by their actions. Their actions were matching their words. And their words and their actions was the desire that was inside of their heart. They had a purpose. They realized their condition. They knew who they were talking to. They knew that that cry of a prayer was going to be heard by Jesus. And they cried, saying, I like blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus said the same thing. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And they told him to hush. So he just got louder. You know what? The devil says, hush. They don't want to hear that. God don't care about it. And yet my Bible tells me that God says that he will give me the desires of my heart. And if my desire is his will, he will fulfill that will in my life. And let me just say this. We, we want God's will to be done. We say, but we're not seeking God for the will of God to be done. We're just going along. Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a place where somebody really had a devil. But can I tell you this? As a parent, this lady here, and I pray the devil never gets a hold of any of my children. But as a parent, this lady here, there is no telling that what she had gone through. Just like the man who had the son who was, who was possessed and by the legion. And, and just say. There's no telling what this parent has gone through and what she's felt and what she's thought. Everything that's happened and her only hope. And she comes to the coast. She sees Christ there and she cried. She didn't just go before him and say, hey, Lord, I'm over here. I got something for you to take care of. She cried. You know what that meant? Her heart was in it. Her soul was in it. Her mind was in. She realized, church, this is the real thing about the prayer that, I, that just God just put on me. She realized her condition. And that determined her prayer. That determined her perseverance. That determined who she would go for. Matthew 17, 15. This is the, this is the man and the son, Lord. Have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth in the fire, and oftentimes in the water. You can read on the rest of it, but look at what he says. Have mercy. Have mercy. Maybe this time, this dad comes before Christ, and he's, 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 he's not... I would say that maybe he's not in a loud voice. Maybe the woman wasn't in a loud voice either. But, but you could just tell the brokenness that's there. Broken and contrite spirit. Broken heart. What's the Bible talk about when people that mourn, right? They shall come rejoicing. Bearing precious seed. You think about it for a second. Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at this real quick.
Verse 4, blessed are they which that mourn, for they shall be comforted. There ain't no greater comfort than to know God's presence is right there with you. I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I prayed with Brother Danny and Sister Kay this morning, I, I prayed, I, I told God, I said, I, I, I've not been where they're at. I've not been where she's at. And I pray to God, I'm, I, I want to go before everybody goes. I'm just selfish. But only God can truly comfort that heart at that time. Our words of comfort, our, our hugs, our, our I love you, our cards, our prayers, they, they are all necessary. They're all needful. But, but I'm telling you, only God can comfort that heart that way. I don't know what Sister Lisa is going through, and I don't want to ever know what she's going through in that regard. But I'm telling you, she said the Lord is told, the one holding her upright. God is comforting her. These parents are looking for Jesus to comfort, to heal, to work. Mark 10, 47 is blind Bartimaeus. I done covered that one. Luke 15. We always call this the prayer or the the thought of the prodigal son. It is. But can I tell you what started this was the realization of where he was. If we can get this church, I believe things will change for us. Luke 15 verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. Now just stop right there for a second. You can't get saved till you understand you're lost. You don't start returning till you understand you've started going the wrong direction. You don't start climbing till you realize you started slipping. Just think about it, church. So he says, I have sinned against heaven. Now look at that. And before thee. I preached on this. He, he understood. He said he sinned before God. He, he sinned against God. He had sinned before his father. He, he then understands this. He, is, he understands the real condition of his life and what he's done. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now church. How many of us would say that today, that, that we get to a condition, we understand this, and there are people who still today, no matter what they do, God has to accept this. No, he don't. No, he don't. He's the judge. He's the righteous judge. He's the holy judge. He's the judge that judges all judges. He's the one who when they give an account, they give an account unto him. And God does not have to accept me. Except I accept the blood, then God is willing to accept me. But i got to understand my condition. 
I got to realize where I'm at. I got to understand what's going on. And, and can I tell you this, church, in, in this aspect too, when we understand what's happening in our lives, around our lives, we'll begin to be concerned about not just our lives, but the lives of others. We, we understand the prodigal son, but can I tell you, uh, the, if you look at Lazarus and the rich man there, the rich man understands not only that his hopeless condition is now hopeless or his condition is hopeless, but now he understands this. He needs his brothers to know the truth. And he says, will you send Lazarus to tell my brothers? I can't do it, but you can. I understand my condition, but now I understand their condition. If we're right with God, do we not want others to be right with God? And is it enough to just simply say, you know what, I hope they get saved. I hope they give their life back to the Lord. You know what happens a lot of times? Well, the church is like the two men that went down to the temple to pray. Luke 18. In verse 9 it said, and, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, I don't think we got any despisers in here this evening. But you know what? If we're not careful, we are. We look at other people and we think, you know what? They're just, they're, they're where they're at because... They've just wasted their life. They haven't done anything good. They don't even try. And I'll be honest with you, I've done that. But you know what? There might be a few of them out there who don't try because they've always been told they were worthless. And they believe it. I've shared this with you. I'll share it with you again tonight. I was not predicted to be the most successful. I wasn't predicted to be a child of God. I was told that I would be just like my earthly daddy. And when he was a young man and what they were accusing me of, he was not the man of God. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm wrong. I haven't talked to my dad in some years, and I should find out whether or not he's ready to meet the Lord. I really should. But they accused me of being like my dad. I would be like my dad. I'd divorce my wife, I'd run around on my wife, I'd get drunk, I would do things that I shouldn't be doing with people I shouldn't be with, and I wouldn't care. That's what my dad was. That's what I was accused of. Remember what I read last week? The devil didn't want me to be, and yet God wanted me to be all of those things. Somebody was praying for me. Somebody seen my condition. Somebody. Hey, my mom did not know that when I was 16 and 17 years of age that I was going out with people older than me and getting drunk and staying drunk and drinking until we didn't have anything else. My mom didn't realize that. She thought I was hanging out with good people. She didn't realize that I'd stole somebody's car and wrecked it even though it was my friend's dad's car. She didn't know that that had happened. She didn't know that I was driving all over the place without a license with people I shouldn't have been. She didn't understand these things. She trusted me. And God knew the real thing. And I don't know who he shared it with. 
But somebody prayed for me. Somebody poured their heart out for me. Somebody was broken for me. Somehow, some way, somebody. You say, well, Brother Herney, God just chose you out of me. Hey, maybe God did, but I think God chose me because somebody seen somebody, and it might have been my mom. Making something, God. A certain, he spake the parable unto certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with him with himself. Now, now, I want you to understand what the Bible is saying right here for just a second. There was other people in the temple. It wasn't that he was by himself and nobody else was around. This is the time to go up and pray. We know that because there's also a publican there. There's other people. The problem was, you've heard the old saying, the prayers didn't get any higher than the top of your head. The Pharisee's prayers were going no higher than the top of his head. He prayed thus with himself. Because God knew the truth. And even though he declares that he's praying in the manner which I was talking about earlier, he's praying like this. God, I thank thee that I am not as other, men's are, other men are, extortioners and unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I mean, he pointed him out. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm it. That's the prayer. That, that, that took that long to pray that prayer because that's the arrogance of the prayer. He doesn't even realize what condition he's in. And then Jesus says this. And the publican standing afar off. Now he might have been afar off because he wasn't part of the crowd. Or maybe he was afar off because he was absolutely ashamed of who he was. The condition that he was in. He was broken. And nobody else cared. Maybe he was by himself because of that very thing. Maybe they saw this man and they thought, look at him. He must really be bad. The Pharisee looked at him and thought he was something horrible because he pointed him out. It was obvious that the publican was there and he was broken. He, was, he knew his condition. He understood. And for that, he was pointed at. Remember what I've said? Somebody broken in the altar, we ought to be down there with them, broken with them. You know what happens when a church gets broken together? It gets healed together. It gets strong together. It becomes more than, than just a body of members. It becomes a body of Christ. It becomes strong. We each one understand the value of every member of the body. 
Remember, without your eyes, you cannot see, right? Without your hands, you cannot feel, you cannot lift, you cannot do a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm saying they got all kinds of things they can do to give you new hands, but I'm just saying this. The Bible tells us that, that one member is no less important than the other. No member is more important than the other. Every one of us have a function. Every one of us have a job. And if we understand the vitalness of every member, we become unified, and then we become something God can use. So the Pharisee stood afar off, would not so much lift his eyes unto heaven. Can I tell you the Pharisee took longer to say the words that he said. Or the publican took longer to say the words that he said. Than the Pharisee took to say the words he said. And by the way the Pharisee said twice as many words almost. But the publican smote in himself. I believe the tears was already going down his cheek. I believe snot was running out of his nose. His head's hanging down. His heart, there's something inside of him that swelled. He feels it. It's not a few words that's coming out. He's smoting himself on the breast, the Bible says. Saying, God, he had to take time. To say the word God in my opinion. Be merciful to me. He had to take time to say those two words. And then the next words that come out of his mouth. He, they probably come out with such trembling. That you and I did not. We, if we remember back to the time that we were saved. And, and our prayer. We might have remembered that time. He said be merciful to me. A sinner. Not, not just be merciful because I'm not right where I need to be. And. And I, you know, God, just have mercy on me and give me a better house and, and, and give me a, you know, if he wasn't married, a, a beautiful wife and bless us with lots of good kids. Or, or maybe he was married and he wasn't saying, God, let me build, make my wife happy and give her lots of things. He was talking about himself. He knew his sinful condition and he cried to God to be merciful to him, a sinner. Look what he says. Verse 14, Jesus said this, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. Oh, listen to me. When you get right with God, you understand where you're at. You get serious, broken before God. It's not just forgiveness, it's justification. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And that exaltation does not come by we getting up and talking about, hey, look at me. It's what God does. And can I tell you something else? It goes back to the scriptures. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over 99 just that needeth not. There is a celebration that takes place in heaven when people get sincere with God. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see heaven in an uproar. 
And I'm not talking about a fight. I won't read it to you tonight, but but I had this one down. This was my last place to go because Jesus understands. He understands who he is. He understands who we are. He understands what we need and what's going to take place. And he understood from the beginning of creation to the end of time here where eternity starts. And John 17 is God Christ praying for us. Do you realize that we we think about the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh Lord God, you know, oh Father, have you know, if there be any way that this cup pass from me, he, he prayed with earnest, sincere desire. He understood what he was going to face. He understood how it was going to happen. He understood the time frame of it. He understood the denial of it. He understood all of that. But yet before Jesus gets to that point, he understands who we are. And he prays to God for you and I. And again, I think this prayer took hours, not minutes. Real prayer takes time because it does work. Would you stand this evening? Heavenly Father, this evening we come before your Lord again. We're thankful, dear God, we're grateful, dear God, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, tonight to have your way in our hearts. Father, I ask you to have your way in our lives, our homes, our church. God, I pray tonight you touch those that are grieving with the anointing touch that you can do. And help us, dear God, continue to lift them up in prayer. Father, those that are sick, God, dealing with them. Lord, again, I pray, help us to pray for them. Lord, I ask you tonight, help us to realize the condition we're in so that we'll understand the prayers we need to get to the place we got to be for you. Lord, I believe we're making that journey. Help us, Lord, I pray tonight. Get us closer, precious God, I ask. Make us stronger, more determined, and more sincere. Lord, thank you, Father. We'll praise you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. And amen. And amen. Anything on anybody's heart this evening before we dismiss? Be in prayer much in prayer um, don't know anything as of yet on uh, Jason's services I don't even know that they contacted Sister Kay or set up a time yet I didn't talk to her this afternoon uh, we're going to go out there this evening and, and uh, drop off a few things in preparation folks will be gathering at their house and they're going to have company there families coming in and so forth from different places and so we're going to kind of give them a jump start on, on a few things there this evening but be much in prayer for them and then uh, 
if uh, I find out anything that they need specific or want us to do, then I'll, I'll let the church know on that. Uh, but I do know they need our prayers. So I love you, church. I, I, I'm hoping I'm feeding you. I'm eating, I, I tell you, I'm eating. You ain't getting scraps. Not getting scraps. But I do love you. And praise God for you. Brother Don, will you dismiss us in prayer?